It's time for Northwestern Outdoors Radio, the show focusing on fishing, hunting, outdoor recreation, destinations, and conservation in the region where you live and play. Northwestern Outdoors is brought to you by Max Lure Company, Sportsman's Warehouse, and Wallowa County. And now, let's see what's going on in the field and on the water with your host, John Cruz. Welcome to the show. We're starting off with some unfortunate news out of Oregon where the State Fish and Wildlife Commission voted 4-3 to three to shut down the summer steelhead hatchery operation on the North Umpqua River. The Umpqua has long been known as a great steelhead river, but it's fallen on hard times lately with reduced runs of both hatchery and wild steelhead. As to what the problem is, some groups pointed at the hatchery fish that were taking up spawning grounds used by spawning wild fish. Other groups, as well as fisheries biologists from the Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife itself, said that simply wasn't the case, and the real issue is ocean conditions and warming temperatures on the Umpqua River in recent years. The anti-hatchery advocates won the argument, though, and now you won't be seeing any hatchery steelhead or catch-and-keep seasons in this part of the Umpqua for the foreseeable future, I would imagine. Our thanks to Andy Walgmott at Northwest Sportsman Magazine for contributing to this story. This week on Northwestern Outdoors Radio, we're going to share better news on the fishing front and about hunting, too. In just a few minutes, we'll talk to Gary Brain, one of the owners of the lodge at Summer Lake in southeast Oregon. He's got some exciting news about trout that are being stocked in Anna Reservoir. Not only a lot of them, but some pretty big ones, too. That's on top of the unique wiper bass fishery that's found at this lake, where you can catch these hybrid bass weighing up to 19 pounds. And, oh yes, it's bird watching season, too, at the Summer Lake Wildlife Area. You'll definitely want to hear more about the lodge at Summer Lake and all the opportunities around there. Right after that, Bob Loomis joins us because if it's springtime, it's kokanee time, and he's got some great ideas about what you can use to catch some this month. And then we're talking to Eric Winther. He's got big news from the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program. Anglers are getting a significant raise this year. Eric will also tell you where to catch some of those pike minnow this month on the Columbia River. After that, Troy Rodakowski joins us. He is my go-to for turkey hunting, and he's going to talk about turkey hunting in May. The gobblers are acting different this month. It's not the same behavior that you saw in April, and you have to adapt to these changes to be successful. Troy, who has a great article on this topic in the current edition of Northwest Sportsman Magazine, will tell you more and help you tag out. We've also got several upcoming events to tell you about to include a mentored deer hunt in Wyoming, several becoming an outdoors woman events in Montana, and the annual Backcountry Hunters and Anglers Rendezvous. That's taking place May 12th through the 14th in Missoula. And yes, you are invited, whether or not you are a member of BHA. Throw in our Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week, which I think you'll enjoy. And we've got another full hour of the outdoors coming your way. So let's get things started with another edition of Sportsman Spotlight, brought to you every week by the Ag Information Network of the West. Looking for Martins, David Sparks. Sportsman Spotlight. Cute is one of the best words to describe American Martins. They look a little bit like a small, slender house cat with a long, bushy tail. Fish and Game official Roger Phillips says look for them when you're out in the woods. Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those animals that we have quite a bit of, and the people don't see them a whole lot. It's in the weasel family, lives, likes those dark, you know, deep forests, kind of at higher elevations, and so... 
People just don't have a chance to see them all that often, but there's plenty of them out there. So it's always interesting to learn about wildlife that we might not see every day. You may hear people call American martins pine martins because they live in dense forests. American martins are excellent tree climbers. They have semi-retractable claws, which is similar to cats. With their claws and long tail for balance, American martins can zip up a tree and leap between trees quickly and easily. They are usually found in conifer forests. A forest floor covered with fallen logs, stumps, and shrubs makes the best habitat. The trees on the ground are the perfect place to find shelter and food. And what do American martins eat? They mostly eat voles. Voles are small rodents that look like mice. And martins run around on the forest floor, poking their heads into holes, fallen logs and rocks, looking for voles. David Sparks, Sportsman Spotlight. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. You've probably been told that to reach a millennial farmer, you have to go digital. Hmm. Facebook, Vimeo, YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, an online publication, or maybe a podcast. Hmm. But which one? Oh, and how receptive is this age group to your sales pitch during non-work social time? Maybe the best place to reach a farmer with a farming solution message is when they are, well, quite frankly, farming. You know, it's easy for us to find them during the day as most farmers are behind the wheel of a pickup truck or farm equipment with the radio on listening to this station featuring the Ag Information Network news. If you'd like to deliver information about your terrific product or service, give us a call and we'll connect you directly with our community of loyal farmer listeners. Reach real farmers right here, right now as they listen to what is important to their farm operation. They trust us, they'll trust you. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. Our next stop today is one of my favorite places in the Northwest. It is the Lodge at Summer Lake in southeast Oregon. It's a little oasis in the desert. And with us here today with some very exciting information about some new fishing opportunities in that area is Gary Brain at the Lodge at Summer Lake. Gary, welcome back to the show. Good to be back. So you are located right across the road from the Summer Lake Wildlife Area, which is a fantastic wildlife watching and duck hunting destination. But it also has the Anna River, which is a good trout fishery. And at the base or the headwaters of the Anna River is the Anna Reservoir. Now, Anna Reservoir is a 90-acre reservoir, very accessible. And I understand there's some big news there. Go ahead and tell our listeners about it. Boy, it is big news. We've been working since the first of the year to get some local hatchery stock in to the reservoir. Thousand Springs Reservoir is, of course, right adjacent to the reservoir, and they have just the absolute best quality water, just like the, the reservoir has it. It's all artesian, and they've been uh, raising trout for years there. We were working with uh, Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife and the 
trout farm to see if we could uh, get some stocking of those of the uh, trout that they raise. The reason why we're doing that we did that is they raise a tremendous, superb trout, pink needed. They use a special proprietary blend of food. If if it makes sense, it's a vegan type food and oh, trout is fantastic. Yeah, it's it's really strange, but they do a fantastic job of raising these fish. ODF and W finally, you know, we've we've had two or three meetings with them, and uh, they gave us what they felt the reservoir could handle, and and we are super excited about what they did discuss and adopt. Right now, the trout hatchery can put in 2,500 trout a month, of which 200 of those trout are considered trophy trout for us. They're two to four pounds. Oh, wow. Uh, so they're beautiful, beautiful fish. They all are. The first stocking has already happened. It was uh, in April, and now in May, date to be announced to kind of keep the you know the stocking date under their hat for a while. And but anyhow, first of uh, May, we'll be receiving another 2,500 trout with the 200 or so two to four pounders. The trout range. The littlest one I went out to, uh, after this first stocking, and I've got a 12 incher, a 15, a 16, a 17, and an 18. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a quality trout fishery. This is fantastic. You know, Anna Reservoir has always been known in the past as a place to go for those wipers, that hybrid bass. It's a cross between striped and white bass. They grow up to 19 pounds, but they're tough to catch. They're not easy to catch, those wipers, are they? Boy, they, you know, it takes patience. Now, some people have a, you know, some of the locals around here, they have it dialed in. They go, you know, on the first moon or the third moon and three hours before dark and two hours after dark and all this other stuff. But uh, they are, they're a tough fish to catch. But when you do catch them, they, I mean, they put up a fight and they're top quality also. One of the concerns ODF&W had on stocking, uh, you know, bigger trout in than, than the four-pounders was the bigger trout would, of course, start competing for the food source uh, that the wipers use. And those are the, the chub that are all throughout the lake. So they didn't want to, you know, disrupt the wiper fishery by introducing, you know, really big trout in there because it would be a, a competition thing, you know, for the two species of fish. But, uh, you know, we're plum happy with two to four pound fish. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Not to mention 2,500 fish a month. I mean, this is going to be a great reason to head to Anna Reservoir with your fishing rod to catch regular-sized trout, well, actually pretty darn good-sized trout from what you described, plus these jumbo trout and the possibility of tangling with a, a wiper bass. So wonderful news indeed. Uh, let's talk about what's going on at Summer Lake Wildlife Area. Obviously, it's not hunting season right now, but this should be prime time to go out there for some bird watching, huh? Boy, it is, and, and that's, uh, you know, the springtime, usually starting in February, actually, we start getting birders in. They're looking for the, of course, the return migration of the waterfowl, and now that we're, you know, into, well, it's supposed to be spring, but, you know, we're forecasted for snow again this week. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and go figure. The songbirds are coming in. Matter of fact, we just had, yesterday, I went up to the store, and one of the cottonwood trees was full of birds, and I looked, and they, they took off, and they were all uh, goldfinches. So oh. the goldfinches are back. Yeah, it was a beautiful sight. I mean, you know, when they when a flock takes off, it's just like, holy moly. 
you know, the, the brightness and the, of the bird. We also were getting our first uh, yellow-headed blackbirds in. They're a, they're a fun bird. Yes, they are. A real are. fun bird. And, uh, of course, the, the waterfowl, they're, you know, they're migrating in and out. Pretty much uh, everything that's out is pretty well gone now. We have our local population of ducks and geese that are nesting now. So pretty quick we'll have uh, little ducklings around in the pond and, and on the wildlife refuge as well. Well, if you're looking for a place to stay, folks, I cannot recommend any place except for the lodge at Summer Lake. I have stayed there a couple of times. I absolutely love this place. They have cabins on a private lake. Bring your fishing rod, no license required, and you can catch some bluegill and some bass. I mean, literally right off your back deck. They've also got comfortable motel-style rooms, and you've got to eat at the Flyway Restaurant because... uh, Gary and his family and their cooks, they dish up some very good food. And you still keep it really affordable, don't you? We try, although, you know, <laughs> supply and demand is uh, taking its toll this year. But we like to feed fish and we like to feed fish. We like to feed people. <laughs> and fishing is on my mind. <laughs> uh, we like to feed people and give them good home style, you know, not out of the box stuff. You know, we do it right here. Oh, you certainly do. I've got to ask, you do have a very popular place there. Do you have some openings in May and June if folks want to come by and uh, either do some fishing or some bird watching? We do, and uh, the best way to find out what we have is just go on our website, and uh, you can book right online now. So that's made life a lot simpler for both us and the potential customers because they can just go online, see what we have available, and book right online. All right, and what is that website again? Lodge at summerlake.com. All small letters, and that'll get you right to our website. And then you'll see the lodging page. Go to that, and you can book right off of that. All right, the website again, lodge at summerlake.com. Lodge at summerlake.com. If you're looking for an out of the way getaway in southeast Oregon and you enjoy wildlife watching, if you enjoy fishing, this is the place for you. And don't forget to book now for hunting season because uh, this is also a very popular place during the waterfowl hunting season. And for good reason, it offers some of the best waterfowl hunting in the Pacific Northwest. Gary, thanks as always. Appreciate hearing from you. You betcha. We'll talk to you again. This portion of the show is brought to you by our friends at Sina Sea Seafoods. You can check out all the wild-caught Alaskan seafood. They'll deliver to your door at SinaSea.com. And they don't just sell halibut and sable fish and salmon and king crab and shrimp. They also sell seasoning. As a matter of fact, they've got all sorts of seasoning they'll sell you. They've got kelp seasoning. They've got Alaskan sea salt. They've got bullwhip hot sauce. And they've even got some bundles where they combine both seafood and seasoning for you. Check it out at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A. SinaSea.com. Again, premium wild-caught Alaskan seafood and Seasonings delivered right to your door. Go to cnc.com today and remember to use the promo code Outdoors Radio to get 10% off your order.
come to Oregon's Wallowa County for outdoors adventure. Hike, ride, paddle, fish, or sightsee to your heart's content. And then visit one of our wonderful towns, whether it be Joseph with its beautiful bronze statues, our county seat in Enterprise, or one of our charming small towns like Wallowa, Imnaha, or Troy, where you can eat, shop, and sleep before continuing your adventure the next day. Plan your visit now at WallowaCountyChamber.com. That's WallowaCountyChamber.com. Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, a nationwide group working to keep public lands in public hands so future generations can enjoy what we enjoy. Join the group that makes a difference. Check us out at backcountryhunters.org. with more of the great outdoors on Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. It's that time again. It's time for another Max Minute brought to you every week by Max Lure. It is May. It is kokanee season. And whether you're after them in maybe Dvorak Reservoir in Idaho or Flaming Gorge Reservoir in Wyoming and Utah, maybe one of those newer fisheries like Fish Lake in Chelan County in Washington or Wallowa Lake in Wallowa County, Oregon, you need to know what to use. And that's why we've got Bob Lewis back on the line. Bob, always a pleasure. I'll tell you what, John, I enjoy talking about fishing. And I know you love talking about kokanee. Let's talk about a good setup for kokanee at this time of year, both a dodger and a lure combination. Well, you know, when you're talking this time of the year, we're starting to get into almost a, what you would deem a mid-season. It's that early to mid-time frame. You can still troll slow and get these fish to bite real well. You're not having to go to a reactionary type bite later in the season where they want stuff moving around and they're reacting to it. Trolling slow really lends itself to using like a double D dodger. And the double D dodgers are fantastic because of the fact that you can actually put them in a different pull point on the top of the dodger and actually get it out away from the boat, especially when you're fishing shallower water situations. So whatever you put behind it, whether you put a cha-cha squitter that's moving on its own or even a coconut or something like that, you don't have to get that much movement out of it and when you're trolling slow. One last question. we got 10 seconds left. What size do you recommend when it comes to a kokanee-sized dodger? You know, that, that that's a loaded question. I personally, I like fishing six-inch dodgers. It's a, a lot of flash and draws from further away. Doesn't deter from the fish. The four-inch dodgers work fantastic also. All right. Well, next week, we'll talk a little bit more about lures to fish behind the Double D Dodger. In the meantime, look for the Double D Dodger at a sporting goods store near you or online anytime at maxlure.com. The Sling Blade is Max Lure Company's latest Dodger for you to use. Lance Burrs is with us from Max Lure Company to tell you more about it. Why are you so excited about the Sling Blade? Versatility, John. You can bend the Sling Blade and change it from a reactionary bite to a normal bite, and it's got so many possibilities. Not only that, it comes in different sizes. You can use the Sling Blade for everything from trout and kokanee all the way to ocean-going salmon. It's the Sling Blade. Look for it at MaxLure.com. From a bull elk ripping a bugle across the valley to wing beats on a duck marsh, public lands and waters are integral to our outdoor heritage. Become a member of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers and stand up for our public lands and waters. Visit backcountryhunters.org today. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. The Northern Pike Meadow Sport Reward Fishery Program is officially underway. And with us here to tell you more about some changes to it this year is Eric Winther, the project leader with the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife. Eric, great to have you back on the air. Hey, John. Good to be here as always. Let's start off with the big news. Anglers are getting a pay raise this year, aren't they? That is true. Last year, we didn't get quite the participation that we would have liked. And so just like everything in this world these days, uh, they cost more. So we figured we'd uh, bump the pay rate up and make it a little more worthwhile for anglers to go out and catch pike minnow. So what are the new rates for pike minnow catching? So the base rate last year was 5 bucks a piece. We bumped that up to 6 So for your first 25 you get 6 bucks a piece. Then it jumps up to $8.00. And that was the that was the top last year, so uh, you're already there after only 25 fish. So eight dollars is for number 26 up through 200, and then once you hit 200, you're up at ten dollars a fish, which is actually pretty darn good for fishing and catching pike. You know. That is really good. And I know in the past, you know, you had quite a few anglers that pretty much did this from May 1st through September 30th. That was their job, as far as they were concerned, was fishing for pike minnow every day. And and one year, you had an angler who actually made, what, about $119,000 doing this? We did, yes. Back in 2015, 2016, there were two consecutive years where top angler made over $100,000. And that's in a five-month season, so that's pretty darn good pretty good seasonal job here folks just saying if you love fishing this is a great thing to do and we've talked about this before the reason this program exists is because the northern pike minnow which is a native fish targets salmon and steelhead smolt that is what they like to eat and so it's not about eradicating the pike minnow but it is about keeping their numbers down so that they don't have as much of an effect on the migrating smolt that are trying to get out to sea which equals better returns of salmon and steelhead back up the Columbia and Snake Rivers. So let's talk about not only the, the pay raise, but the tagged fish too, because if you catch a tagged fish, it's worth $500, and I understand that there's more than that. So if you get a pike minnow that has an external tag, just like always in previous years, that's a $500 fish. So that makes for a really good day. We double tag all these fish. They typically would have an external tag and an under-the-skin tag called a pit tag. And so in past years, if you had the external tag, you'd get your 500 bucks. If it lost the external tag, which it happens fairly real reasonably often, and still had the internal tag, you got $100. Well, this year we, we bumped that up so that now if it does not have the external tag and only has the internal, you get 200 bucks. I know that's a little confusing, but better for the angle. Yeah. Once again, <laughs> you're getting a pay raise if you catch, catch pike minnow at least if it's missing its external tag, but it has the pit tag. And when you turn these in at the, the registration stations, 
they scan them right there so they'll know immediately whether it's got an internal tag, don't they? We will know if it has an internal tag. There is a little bit of a catch on it, though, because if a pike minnow has recently eaten a salmon smolt that was tagged, that'll show up as a uh, hit. Oh. And so just because we get a hit, we still have to do one more step and verify whether, basically, whether the tag is in the, the stomach of the pike minnow or where ODFW applied it kind of back behind the dorsal fin. Oh, very interesting indeed. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a little twist there. Let's talk about where to go, especially in the month of May. It's been a very cold spring. So where would you suggest folks go this month to get into the pike minnow? Well, I mean, I I always start out by reminding people that no matter what, this still is fishing. So there's no guarantees. But that being said, if I were a betting person, there's two places where I would target if I really wanted to try to get a bunch of fish. The Dalles has been our top best bet for day one in May for probably over 10 years now. That's your best choice as far as having numbers of fish congregated and being available and, and actually getting some numbers. Now, the downside is, of course, everybody knows about that. And so it could be a little crowded. And of course, in the Dalles, wind can throw your fishing uh, plans basically mess them up big time. Right. Yes. There's a, so real, there a, there's a reason that windsurfing is so popular in the Columbia River Gorge, folks. It's windy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I tell you, as an angler, give me rain, give me sleet. I don't care, but not wind. That's my least favorite weather uh, phenomena. But the other option is if you're a little further east is uh, in the Tri-Cities, the mouth of the Yakima, where that comes into the Columbia right kind of by Columbia Point Park. There's a really good fishery early in the year. It doesn't really hold on a whole lot. It's pretty shallow water, but there's a window of time. Usually it's early May that that's pretty darn good fishing too. A little better for smaller boats. The wind's not as much of an issue. So that would be a, that would be my second choice. Doesn't mean you can't get them elsewhere. It's just concentration-wise and percentage-wise, those are your best bets. Now, I know that when it comes to pike minnow fishing, that fishing from a boat is your best option, but not everybody has a boat that they're comfortable taking out on the Columbia, or for that matter, not everybody has a boat, period. So as far as shore angling goes, where would you recommend folks go this month? So part of why we're fishing for pike minnow is because they're eating uh, salmon and steelhead smolts. So this time of year, you've got salmon and steelhead smolts migrating downstream towards the ocean. When they go downstream, typically they hug the shorelines. And so the good news for bank anglers is that gives you a little better chance at accessing pike minnow that are looking to ambush these smolts. So uh, best bet is below any of the dams on what they call the uh, the tail race areas. Right. So whether that's below Bonneville Dam, John Day Dam, Dow's Dam is a little hard, but there's some access there. Those are those are good spots to be because the smolts have just kind of come through, come over the, the dam. They're a little bit disoriented, vulnerable. Predators figure that out and tend to congregate there. So those are good areas to try. Lower in the river, if you can find, like down around below Portland, Vancouver, there's a lot of pilings and uh, they're what they call wing dams. Those are good little um, shoreline-based ambush points for pike minnow that you can access from shore. So those would be good to target as well. All right, last question for you before we go. That would be lures and bait at this time of year. 
So typically, uh, one of the best pike minnow baits is the, is the plastic tube baits, like it gets it. But with the water being so cold, fish metabolism is slowed way down. And so you're probably going to need to get that right in front of a, the fish's face. So what that means is, generally speaking, you're probably better off going with bait. And remember, the uh, the most popular pike minnow bait going back 31 years is just fresh chicken liver. You'd buy it at Safeway or Albertsons or something like that. It's really good bait. You tie it on with a, an egg loop and use a dropper for your weight so you get it up out of the muck on the bottom. That's, that's a really good start. If you've thought ahead and put up some uh, uncured fresh salmon eggs, that's an excellent bait. And... As always, I would I would really strive to have three or four baits, and I'd work all of them through any spot that I went, and, and if nothing's happening, move on. All right, there you go, folks. Lots of great information about catching pike minnow this month. You're doing it in the name of conservation, but you're also doing it to make some money. You can find out more about the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery Program at the following website. Very easy to remember, pikeminnow.org. That's the website to go to to find out more about the program, to include the stations where you register before you fish and bring your fish back once you're done. The website again, pikeminnow.org. Thanks as always, Eric. All right, John, thank you. Appreciate it. Enjoy a meal of wild Alaskan seafood delivered right to your door. Sina Sea offers premium quality wild Alaskan fish and shellfish to include Copper River King and Silver Salmon, Halibut, Black Cod, King Crab, and of course, Copper River Sockeye Salmon. Order it blast frozen or smoked and experience a slice of Alaska for a special meal you won't forget. Buy your seafood now at SinaSea.com. That's S-E-N-A-S-E-A, SinaSea.com. Go fishing, help salmon, and make money. You can do it through September 30th by catching northern pike minnow and turning them in for cash. Here's how it works. First, register at a designated station on the Columbia or Snake River. Then, go fishing. At the end of the day, turn in any pike minnow you catch 9 inches or longer and look for the ones with tags worth 500 bucks. You'll get vouchers for those pike minnow you turn in, and you mail those in for cash. Find out more at pikeminnow.org. Welcome back to Northwestern Outdoors Radio. I'm John Cruz. It is turkey season, and that's why I've got my turkey hunting friend on the line, Troy Rodakowski, that outdoors writer from Oregon State, who has an article out in this month's edition of Northwest Sportsman Magazine that is all about hunting turkeys in the month of May. Troy, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on. I've been stalking you on Facebook, as I often do, and I'll tell you what, it seems like you are posting pictures of turkeys that have been harvested just about every week. How many of these have you gotten? Honestly, I, I haven't shot any of them myself yet. I've had too much fun helping people, helping kids, and it's gotten to the point where now it's the end of April and I better start getting serious about filling my own tags. So, anyway. And in Oregon, you can purchase up to three tags, is that correct? 
That's correct, yes. Well, yeah, you better get to it, buddy. I'll tell you it's what. time. <laughs> yes, it's time. Yes. <laughs> Let's have this discussion about turkey hunting in April versus turkey hunting in May. We'll start off with what worked on opening day in terms of what were the turkeys doing then and what was working for you as a hunter. Well, particularly this year, it's been colder than normal, and I shouldn't say it's abnormal, but, you know, uh, we had a really snowy, wet opener. And so the birds, even though it was uh, fairly cold, the birds were really receptive to calling. You know, you'd get gobbles off the roost. They Once they hit the ground, uh, it was easier to call them in. They were really receptive. Um, so if you had the right decoy set up and you were in the right area, it was fairly easy to harvest a bird during the month of April here. All right. Well, let's switch to May. Things are warming up a little bit. The days are getting longer. What are the turkeys doing now that's different than what they were doing in April? Well, right now, uh, the gobblers are basically, they're kind of looking for any hens that have to either re-nest or uh, haven't been bred yet. So they're being lazy boys. They're going out and feeding in the sun, strutting around in the sun, but they're also looking for any available hens that they can uh, service while they uh, are uh, looking to nest. So they are looking for love in all the wrong places. What do we do as hunters to adapt to this? Well, what we need to do, honestly, the best thing to do for the month of May, because birds might not gobble as much and you might not be able to locate them when you're out in the woods, is I like to have either a spot and scope or binoculars. And I like to see what travel routes these birds are using, either trails, roads, logging roads. See it from a distance. If you see several birds using it and moving through in the same hours of the day, uh, either from a roost site to a dusting site to feeding areas, you can set up along those routes and you've got to have a lot of patience. You might have to sit there for three or four hours, but eventually you're going to probably get a shot at a good bird. It almost sounds like you're setting up uh, an ambush, for lack of a better term. Are you even using decoys? Are you even using calls? Are you just, you know, setting up along the trail and waiting for them to show up? I'll use some decoys. I'll use like a breeding hen or just a a single lone hen, you know, and then I'll infrequently call. Like every 30 to 45 minutes, I might yelp three or four times because what will happen is a lot of times these birds will be moving silently along these routes. And if you yelp once in a while, you'll get them to shot gobble to that yelp, basically them saying, I'm right here. And a lot of times they'll be right on top of you before you even know it. And uh, so then it at least gives you a little bit of time to get ready. So Why aren't you calling more than once every 30 to 45 minutes? Because if you listen to a wild turkey during the month of May, they're not talking quite as much as they were in April. So if they're hearing a constant yelp or cluck or, you know, whatever it may be, it's just not natural. If you overcall, uh, I've seen birds turn and go the other way. You know, it, it's almost like you're playing hard to get. They're looking for that last little piece of love that they can get in the spring, and you're trying to be that for them. Interesting. Very interesting. What other advice do you have for latter season turkey hunters? Well, the biggest piece of advice I can tell people, and it's the one big mistake that people make mostly, and they make this during the early seasons too, is you got to have a lot of patience. I've taken hunters and friends of mine and people, and we'll sit for two or three hours at a time in one spot. And if you can't sit, you probably shouldn't be hunting turkeys late in the season. It's going to be really rough because you got to be able to outweight that turkey, you know, and, and wait for them to work their way towards your setup. And patience is the key during the late season. That's the biggest thing. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm you're kind of insinuating 
that these May hunts, they're a little bit different than the opening day April hunts where you're, you know, looking for the roost and a lot of times getting those turkeys right after they come down off the roost in the morning. Is this an all-day affair, what we're talking about here? Actually, most of the birds in May, and I'll just say this, and we're lucky in the state of Oregon that we're allowed to hunt in the afternoons. Some states across the country won't let you hunt them in the afternoons. Uh, a lot of the birds I kill in the afternoons or in the evenings from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m. at night as they're heading back towards the roost or moving their way back towards the roost or from a feeding site to the roost. So, yeah, it's totally different. I tell people it's really easy to be a turkey shooter during the month of April, but to be a turkey hunter, you you got to be able to shoot one in the month of May. And as for turkey hunting in the state of Oregon, traditionally southwest Oregon has been the stronghold, but I understand populations have been increasing in several parts of the state in recent years. Yes, central Oregon's huge, northeast Oregon, even up in the Columbia Basin. So like the Blue Mountains, John Day Valley, locations near Vail, Umatilla, Hepner, Lots of turkeys popping up everywhere, and that's the same, you know, uh, even over here in western Oregon, not even particularly southwest Oregon, but turkeys are expanding like crazy, and I think that's probably why ODFW has given us a pretty liberal bag limit here in the state of Oregon and letting us harvest three birds. It's kind of nice. There you go, folks. Turkey hunting, whether it's in Oregon or anywhere else in the Northwest, you just got some great advice to help you harvest one of these gobblers in the month of May. It's definitely different than hunting in April, as you just heard. I guess the very last question I have for you, Troy, is this. Always enjoy reading your articles. What are some other ones we can read in the near future? I've got a couple of muzzleloader articles coming out in Oregon Hunter, bird hunting articles coming out in Oregon Hunter, and I'll probably have a fishing article or two in Northwest Sportsman coming up this summer. All right. I look forward to it. In the meantime, good luck filling those tags this month. I have no doubt I'll be seeing some photos on your Facebook page soon. Hey, thanks a lot, John. Thanks for having me. It's nice to be on the show. In other news, we've got an opportunity for our listeners in Wyoming who maybe haven't hunted deer before and want to get into this. It's a mentored hunt. You can actually, as a youth between 12 to 17 years of age, or as a woman, or as a family, learn to hunt with a mentor, and the process culminates in a deer hunt this fall. Here's the catch. Applications are due today if you're a Saturday listener, and if you're hearing this in Sheridan on Sunday, I'm afraid you're a day too late and a dollar short. Now, no previous hunting experience or equipment is necessary for this. The program's designed for first-time hunters and those who haven't had the opportunity to learn how to hunt from a friend or family member. The program is called Wyoming Hunt Fish, and this one is a Wood River Deer Hunt. It's hosted by the First Hunt Foundation, Wyoming Outdoorsman, and Wyoming Game and Fish. If you are selected for this hunt, you'll be paired with a mentor who's going to coach you through all the aspects of a hunt for a doe white-tailed deer this fall. Now, prior to the hunt, you'll spend a day at the range shooting a rifle and practice a simulated hunt. The hunt itself will occur in September on a private ranch in the Wood River Valley west of Matitsi. A parent or designated chaperone must accompany any kids under 18 participating in this program. Again, no previous hunting or shooting experience is required. Parent-child teams who want to learn how to hunt together are highly encouraged to apply, and all equipment, including the firearm, ammunition, and hunter orange, will be provided if you need it. Again, applications are due today. And the website to go to if you want to register is firsthuntfoundation.org 
slash Wyoming. That's the Wyoming chapter of the First Hunt Foundation, firsthuntfoundation.org backslash Wyoming. In a similar vein, the Becoming an Outdoor Woman program offered by Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks is offering a couple of June classes you might be interested in if you are a woman. One of them is on Saturday, June 18th. It's a nature journaling class being offered in Hamilton. The other is an Archery 101 opportunity at First People's Buffalo Jump State Park, south of Great Falls at Ulm. That one is on June 25th. In addition to this, the Summer Becoming an Outdoor Woman Camp, which is a several-day event, will be taking place August 12th through the 14th near Missoula, Montana. And registration will open for that event on June 1st. Find out more at the Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks website. Just go to the news page or Google Becoming an Outdoor Woman, and you'll find the information you need Uh, For the June classes, starting Monday the 9th, and for the Becoming an Outdoor Woman Camp, that registration opens June 1st. Stick around, we've got more of the great outdoors coming your way to include your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. Go fishing, make money, help out, and have fun. That's what the Northern Pike Minnow Sport Reward Fishery is all about. From May 1st through September 30th, catch pike minnow out of the Columbia and Snake Rivers and turn them in for cash. Pike minnow eat juvenile salmon and steelhead. Each one you catch helps more juvenile fish reach the ocean. Pike minnow are worth anywhere from 5 to 8 bucks, and keep an eye out for tag fish worth $500. Find out more at pikeminnow.org and go fishing. Sportsman's Warehouse is America's premier outfitter and has what you need as a hunter, angler, hiker, paddler, camper, and outdoors enthusiast. They also carry an extensive assortment of firearms and ammunition you simply can't find anymore at many big box stores. On top of that, their knowledgeable staff is here to help you purchase the right gear so you can get the most out of your outdoor experience. Visit your local Sportsman's Warehouse store today or shop online anytime at sportsmans.com. We've got time for one more shot of Northwestern Outdoors Radio with John Cruz. Welcome back. Got another event to tell you about that's taking place in Montana, and it's coming up this week. It is the annual rendezvous for the backcountry hunters and anglers, taking place at Fort Missoula in Missoula, Montana, from May 12th through the 14th. These rendezvous are always a ton of fun. There's lots of fellowship, lots of seminars, lots of talk about conserving our public land so that folks like you and I can recreate on them and fish and hunt and hike and more. And you know what? You don't even have to be a member to attend the rendezvous. I would urge you to head on out to Fort Missoula if you can and take part in the annual rendezvous. Find out more at backcountryhunters.org. Also, If you are still looking for a summer job and maybe want to do something really different, consider working at Sportsman's Cove Lodge on Prince of Wales Island in southeast Alaska. They are still looking for an experienced charter boat captain, and they're also looking for members for the hospitality team. We're talking housekeepers and servers, that sort of thing. Whichever position you take, you're going to be well paid, you'll have your room and board taken care of, and you're going to work in a 
beautiful setting, a remote, beautiful setting. You're going to absolutely love the experience. Find out more at alaskasbestlodge.com. That's alaskasbestlodge.com for Sportsman's Cove Lodge. Go to the Contact Us page and check out the employment opportunities. And now it's time for your Sportsman's Warehouse Trivia Question of the Week. This is the time of year that you'll hear the trilling call of one of my favorite birds out in the sagebrush, prairies, or grasslands. The medium-sized bird is brown, black, and has a yellow throat and belly. It's also the official state bird of Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska, and Oregon, and is found in all of those states and more. Do you know what bird we are talking about here? I'll give you a hint. If you think you know the answer, you know what to do. Go to our Facebook page at Northwestern Outdoors Radio. If you haven't already, please like and follow our Facebook page. That helps us out. Then go to the post thread where we have the question. Give us your answer there. Or you can go to our website at northwesternoutdoors.com. Shoot us an email and let us know what kind of bird we're talking about here for your chance to win the $25 gift card we give away every week from America's Premier Outfitter, which is a great place to go for binoculars and spotting scopes, whether you're into hunting or bird watching. On that note, it's time to wrap up this show. My thanks for our great guests today, Gary Brain, Bob Loomis, David Sparks, Troy Rodakowski, and Eric Winther. Always a pleasure to have them on the show. Until next time, do take care, God bless, and make it a point to spend some time outdoors. 